the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, back again. <clears throat> At least mostly. <laughs> oh, it's been a... Uh... Pretty crazy. I'm just reflecting back over the past couple of years, and um, it's just mind-boggling all the stuff that's gone on. I know a lot of people are probably uh, emotionally, anyway, a little bit um, tired, fatigued. I hear you. It's um, but the good news is there's economic growth like we have actually not seen before. Um, in fact. As the other businesses begin to come back online, as things start to re- recover, I think you'll see records in GDP. I'm sure you will. You know, basically, GDP is the economy. So the, you'll see the economy expanding. And over longer time periods, the, I think you'll see stock prices go higher. Don't know what it'll do over the next one or two years because nobody ever really does. Um, and that's that's one of the things that... that as an advisor, you have to deal with quite often the vast majority of people who aren't sophisticated investors um, think that you know markets are predictable over periods of less than two years. That <laughs> if you hang around long enough and if you watch closely enough, you will see the fallacy in that statement. I know what the market's going to do a year from now or two years from now. You don't. And read anybody from anybody who's ever been in the markets for extremely long time periods. They'll tell you, you know, yeah, no, you you really need to look out a minimum of five years, typically 10 years or longer. And I know that's not a, well, actually, you know what? Here's the thing. This is, it's looking up because, more people are actually realizing that, yeah, 
that's what you have to do. If you want to be successful, that's what you're going to have to do. And then it's not so hard. It's not so hard to accept that. And so anyway, just thought I would pass a little tidbit on along. Hey, by the way, if you hear anything here that you'd like to know more about, feel free to email me on my website. You can go there. There's a contact us page. A lot of people have been doing that, but they haven't been filling in the questions. So it's kind of um, interesting. I get a email that somebody has a question, but they don't type the question in the question box. So <laughs> I would, uh, it would help be very helpful if you would put the question in there and, and I'd be glad to send you whatever material you'd like to see and uh, no problem whatsoever. And I am doing the show live today. So if you want to call in the radio station, the number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And uh, again, my website's Bullington Capital. If you hear something here that you want, would like to see some more information on, feel free, by all means, feel free to contact me, reach out there, and uh, I will get back to you as quickly as I possibly can. And uh, you know what, this is uh, interesting. This is a uh, very interesting time of year. It's the month of October. And historically, there were a couple of things back in 1929 and 1987. You had two big drops that were pretty quick in the stock market. And people used to remember that. I don't think a lot of investors today have much, um, I don't, they don't have the memories or the, the fear of October like generations before them did. And uh, because you had two huge crashes. I, I'll, I'll never forget the uh, 1987. The market was down, I think it was nearly 20% in a day. And uh, it had already been down 15% prior to that big one-day drop. And that's when computers were first getting involved in the stocks, uh, stock market. They were experimenting with running portfolios with them and they found a glitch. <laughs> so that, that's essentially what happened. They, they found a glitch. Um, market was slightly ahead of itself at that point in time. Um, not horribly slow. Uh, so that reminds me a lot of the way it is now. If you're looking at interest rates being relatively low and staying relatively low, then markets overvalued, but not by a lot. You know, it's, it's all dependent on interest rates and that's a, uh, that's a big deal. And we are going to talk more about that. What do you do in this low interest rate environment? That that'll be the second segment of today's show. What do you do about the low interest rate environment for that portion of your money that you normally wanted to keep in bonds or CDs, government bonds or CDs or government bond funds CDs for safety. There's a, right now those funds are paying less than 1%. And if you're going to ha get a yield of higher than 1%, that means you're taking on some, some risk that you may not be aware of, but I mean, you can do it. There's, there's no problem with taking on risk. I actually, a couple of the funds that I have, I know that there's a little bit of risk there. Their yields a little over 1%. I know 1.5 or close to two, somewhere around there. But they're going to fluctuate. So you have to be uh, prepared for that. And in fact, I'm going to have to do a show at, at some point in time just on the motto, be prepared. I think that's the Boy Scouts motto, be prepared. But in, in financial markets, you kind of have to be prepared for just about anything. 
I mean, because anything can happen and probably will. I used to say that a lot on this show, and most people didn't know what the heck I was talking about. It, it was because I had studied market movements, and uh, my major in college was economics. So I looked at how the economy impacts the markets, and you know what? Over some fairly short time periods, I'm sorry, fairly long time periods, the whatever's going on today may not have an impact or it may have already been factored in. That's what makes looking at economic forecasts really tough. What's happening right now may already be factored in or it may happen six months from now or a year from now. And you just don't know. In the long run, that's why you, you really need a super long-term outlook for this. In the long run, things like Companies whose sales have grown over the years, whose profit margins have maintained themselves or uh, have expanded. By the way, profit margins don't maintain themselves. It's the management of the business that maintains the profit margins if they can. And so if you have sales that rise and profit margins that that stay stable or increase, And a lot of times profit margins should go up if volumes go up because the fixed costs remain fixed. And I thought that that was always something that almost everybody probably knew. And and I'm not sure how many people know that because I haven't talked about it with the general public in a really long time period. But I was surprised, you know, throughout most of my early and mid career that, you know, that was not something that people were aware of. And I'm thinking that, wow, that's pretty interesting. So anyway. I digress. Long-term stocks, stock prices are going to follow whatever the growth in sales and profits are. And as they should, in the short run, anything can happen and probably will. You'll see stocks that go way up on bad news. Why? Well, news probably wasn't as bad as they were expecting it to be. And so the, the reaction was positive. You'll see stocks go, go down on really good news opposite. You'll see stocks move on no news. There are several thousand funds out there now with more than a billion dollars in assets in them. And if one of them decided that, you know, they were going in a different direction, that's enough to make that stock go up or down quite a bit. So uh, in other words, if you've got a short-term outlook, it is really tough. I can tell you it's really tough. The vast majority of people who look over the next two or three years uh, which seems like forever to a lot of people, they really have, they really struggle. And I feel bad about that. Somebody needs to tell them. That's why I'm doing this. A big part of the reason I'm doing this show. Somebody needs to let them know. Yeah, that's going to happen. You can go, Oh, there've been a couple of decades in my lifetime where stock market returns were negative. Think about that for a second. A couple of decades where stock market returns were negative. So what does all that mean? It just means that they, they're going to fluctuate a lot. And if you're going to invest and you're going to get uh, better returns than a lot of people do, then you're probably going to need to look out more than 10 years. And I know if you're in your 60s, that's really, I'm approaching my 60s, by the way. I got about two more years. Yeah, when you're in your 60s, maybe you don't want to look out, or if you're looking out 10 years, you're going, wow, that's, you know, I'm not going to be working then. Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons that I have a job, to try to prepare for that ahead of time. 
I, I can't tell you how many people were calling in 2009, 2010, 2011. They were getting ready to retire, and then the stock market dropped, got cut in half, was down 50%. And they're looking at this going, wait a minute, I've already applied for Social Security. I've already turned in my resignation, and now the, the assets that I have are worth half as much, or at least a big portion of them, were worth half as much. Well, you can avoid all that. You can avoid all that stuff. You can't avoid, well, you can't avoid all of it, but you can manage it. And that's really, today, you know, portfolio managers, investment advisors, we're really risk managers. That's what we're trying to do is manage the amount of risk that someone's taking. And uh, not that easy. Got to have a lot of patience. There are several thousand exchange-traded funds now, which they're my favorite, by the way. I, I do use a very small amount of um, more traditionally managed funds. It's actually in the healthcare sector. And uh, that's where the um, fund managers themselves go out into the field, they look at the companies, look at their financial statements, talk to the CEOs, talk to people that work at the companies, basically kicking the tires. And they're managing those funds the way that most funds were managed when I first started in this industry about a little over 30 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. So anyway, that's not as common as it used to be, but there's still some people out there doing it and they're doing a good job. In, uh, uh, but it's not as common as it used to be. So today it's fairly simple. It's very time consuming. Go out and look up the types of funds that you think may do well in the future. How do you know which funds are going to do well in the future? It's incredibly difficult, by the way, to predict that. Incredibly difficult. But you would start with something like maybe which industries are growing the fastest. That's where you would start. Which industries are actually growing the fastest and uh, or companies? You know, and, and the industry itself doesn't have to be a winner if the companies, may, maybe they've got an edge. But um, And this is what portfolio managers would do, by the way. I, I really don't think that an individual investors got the time to do this anymore. And I just think that it, it requires so much time and effort that uh, if you were going to do it, it needs to be a fairly small percentage of your money. I, I, manage, I only manage about 25% of my own money anymore. I have funds that I've selected based on the criteria that I like, and those are what I use for the vast majority of my investments. And I've got about 25% that uh, I still manage myself, the very strict regimen. But why do I do that? Well, because it's actually a lot easier. It's more tax efficient, by the way. That's a, that's a big reason. It, it's easier and it's more tax efficient to read through the prospectuses. Let's start off with the companies. I always start off with their returns. I look at a, uh, an alpha over a five-year time period. I, I, don't, I, I won't bother trying to explain that today. But when I've come up with a list of good funds or funds that I feel like have done well in the past, then you start reading and you start reading how about how the funds are managed. What are they doing? Are they looking at just size? That's called market cap weighting. Those funds tend to be a lot more uh, volatile. Nothing wrong with them. They just tend to be really volatile. They tend to go down a lot when the market corrects and they tend to take a long time to recover. So I'm uh, not super 
convinced <laughs> that that's the the best way to do it. Although that's exactly what the S and P five hundred is, and and you know, it's, as if you've looked at any statistics, you see you can see that its long term numbers are really good. So, um, what I things I like to look for uh, profit margins somehow, way, shape, or form. Some we'll talk about return on equity, return on assets. There are various definitions that they'll use. And what they're really looking for is to find quality companies. That's what that number is there for. And I like the idea of having quality, having companies that are doing well financially, not just the stock price. The stock price is actually going to be in that top five criteria. But I like to see that the companies are doing well financially. Like I was talking about a little bit earlier in the program, if a company is doing well financially somewhere in the future, probably who knows, could be this year, but might take five years, might be like some of the stocks I've owned in my lifetime that, that took a lot more than five years before they finally took off, which is horribly frustrating. And especially when you don't own it anymore because you gave up on it two years ago. <laughs> That's really frustrating. And that, that's one of the things that sets Warren Buffett apart from everybody else. He just hangs in there. <laughs> it's amazing. But um, anyway, there's a lot of it. That's called value investing, by the way. And there are a lot of um, challenges to that. You know, you, you can buy a, a great company. It can be extremely profitable. It can be growing and nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares for a long time. Eventually, if it continues to do that, the share price has a tendency to catch up. So and I like the, that type of criteria. I like the fact that companies are profitable before they're in one of the funds that I own. That's a, that's a big deal to me. And it, it shows up a little bit in the amount of risk or the volatility of the fund over time, at least it has in the past. Those funds tend to be slightly less volatile than your average stock fund. And, uh, but more importantly, it helps me sleep at night when I know that they're looking at the returns that these companies are generating before they put them in my portfolio. That's kind of a big deal. I hear the music. That means I got to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I will be right back. Faces, a fear and of pain. I haven't watched the tears fall plenty from heartache and strain. So if life's journey has you weary and afraid, there's rest in the shadow of his wings. If you'd like to call today, the number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945, and feel free to go to my website. If you have a question you'd like to have more information on anything you hear us talk about here today, or hear me talk about here today anyway, um, feel free to go to my website. It's bullingtoncapital.com, and when you can uh, just fire away. Uh, please remember to write the question that you have when you, when you go to the contact us page. I get a lot of... People that fill out all the information except for the question, it's it's pretty funny. But um, anyway, um, so we were talking just, you know, about the economy and 
when when you're looking at long-term growth, I'm only going to talk about this a couple more minutes because I got to get into the rest of the, the program. When we're talking about economies, stocks, stocks that do well over time, you know, stocks whose sales and profits rise over time, their share prices have a tendency to keep up with that. That that's the bottom line. It's the result of a good, strong economy, more often than not. And our economy's been incredibly strong for an incredibly long, long time period. And what I really like, if I'm looking out over the next 10 years, is to see which areas are growing right now. What might that lead to down the road, which I put very little faith in myself. I don't like to try to make predictions. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a big deal. Occasionally, we all do them because some of them are just kind of easy. You know, I don't know if you listened to this show five or six years ago, the, uh, actually probably closer to 10 years ago when we were, I was talking about, um, electric cars. <clears throat> and at that point in time, Tesla was brand new. Tesla wasn't even, wasn't even publicly traded. And, but it, they had this little car. It looked like a toy car actually. And it was their first, uh, foray into the electric car market. But now you see where that's all gone. I could have, no one would have ever, been able to convince me that they would have moved into all the other areas that they've moved into and done that well. And that's fine. But what really the biggest impact like companies like Tesla, like Amazon, um, like Google is they go into one or two industries. They start off in one or two industries and then they have a tendency to go into other industries, which are typically related to those industries. And that's where there is an enormous amount of growth now. And those guys are some of the major contributors to that growth. Uh, they're major benefiters from that growth. And I don't see that stopping anytime real soon. Uh, the stock market is going to do whatever it does over the next two, three, four, five years. Over the next 10, 15, 20 years, I think it'll be higher than it is today and probably by a lot. Why? Well, you know, we're rebuilding the grid. That's already happening. We've been talking about that for years, but that's already happening. That's a, that's a really big deal. It's unbelievable how many people will be affected by that and how many other industries will be affected by that. And when you've got growth in a major industry like energy, um, specifically electricity, but all the others will benefit. You, you probably see a lot of uh, moving away from some old technologies up to new technologies. That's always painful. But overall, I think we have so much work ahead of us that needs to be done. And that's why you're seeing wage inflation. We haven't seen wage inflation like this since the 1970s. 1970s. And I remember getting a job in 1973 bucks an hour. I thought I was going to get rich. $3 an hour. <laughs> That was minimum wage when I first started working. Of course, they did move it up to three fifty almost immediately. So, anyway, bottom line, long story short, is, is as long as I can see a path to future growth, and when I say see, what I'm what I really mean is when I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, I read Barrons, read um, Money Magazine, but all the magazines that are out there. And they're talking about this popular science, popular mechanics. Yeah, these are all things that you can just go down to your, your local Barnes and Noble and pick up. When 
you spend time looking at that and I get a whole lot of research from analysts, which you know, it is also interesting. And I, you know, I have kind of an expensive database, but I'm telling you the, uh, a lot of the stuff that I, I read, I read first in those publications that are available to the public. And then I go and I'll look further into it. And it's amazing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing how fast so many various industries are growing. I, I just can't see a lot of this stuff being reversed. I mean, there's always a chance that something happens, but I really believe over the next 10 years, you know, the, the rate of change is going to be faster than it has been in the last 10. Now, last 10 is actually, you know, got the last two years with a pandemic in it, uh, which may have actually sped things up. But uh, certain industries, it, it's hurt very badly. Others, other industries, it's been a big push for. You know, they wouldn't have, have achieved nearly the levels that they've gotten to. I mean, think about it. We were talking about semiconductors before. Now, they're in such high demand that you can't get them. Car companies are deciding to slow down production because of the lack of semiconductors. So and that's just one little area. Uh, one of the uh, benefits, I think, to doing what I do is is I get to make time to read about a lot of the other developments that are coming up. And it just gives me a, a tremendous amount of confidence in the economy overall. Is it going to be a bumpy ride? You bet. It's going to be bumpy. It's never not been bumpy. But I think in the future, with interest rates as low as they are, with the valuations extended on stocks like they are, that it's probably going to be really bumpy and you need to have a pretty decent plan. Uh, doesn't have to be very complicated. In fact, I think next week or the next week I'm or next time. I, yeah. Next week <clears throat> I'll actually put together a, a, a plan uh, that should be the basics should be the fundamentals of almost every plan, every financial plan. And because it, it's also not as hard as that the media would lead you to believe. Now, remember, when you're out on a website or you're out Googling something, if you, if a headline can grab your attention and if they're a powerful of enough copywriter or, you know, a writer and they can get you to click on that, somebody gets paid. So you have to remember that and keep that in mind when you're reading this stuff. You can't believe everything that, that comes out. I know that's, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but the bottom line is some of these guys are <laughs> really good. I've seen some really crazy stuff that looks so legit. It was mind boggling. And that's one of the challenges of today too. It's all a, uh, everybody's, you know, clamoring for your attention all the time. So my show, uh, try to clamor for your attention. Say, Hey, listen, you better be really careful when you're listening to other people's shows or you're reading their, their blog posts or you're watching their TikTok videos uh, or Facebook, whatever it is, you just, you've got to be careful. Uh, try to verify three or four resources. You have questions on, on something that I'm talking about here. Again, you can go right to my website, shoot me the question and I'll send you links to the articles uh, that, you know, that were most influential informing my opinion on the way things are going. And, you know, having said that, that's a big part of being, you know, successful financially uh, in investing 
without taking on too much risk. By the way, when you lower the risk on a portfolio, you're going to lower the returns. There, there's no questioning that right now. It, in the old days, you know, you had real estate investment trusts and high yield bonds you could use for some of the dividend portion of, of the portfolio. Yet yeah, that was the different story. They had huge payout ratios and there was a lot more cushion there. Those days are gone. So if you're going to reduce risk, which basically means you're going to hold a lot more short term bonds, you're going to reduce returns and it's going to be by kind of a lot. And so if you're comparing, and this is one of the, I guess the, one of the biggest mistakes I see are people who will take a fund that's got 80 or 90% of the fund allocated to stocks and then they compare it to a fund that's only got 60% allocated to stocks. There, you shouldn't be doing that. Those are apples and oranges. And if you've got an allergy to uh, vitamin C, which I'm not sure anybody does, then and you would definitely want to know the difference between an apple and an orange. And I'm just saying, <laughs> it's very difficult today. That that remember when I was talking about earlier in today's show about reading the prospectuses, reading the management <clears throat> style of the the fund. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow, and especially the uh, um, funds that get really complicated. It, it, if they can't tell you what they're doing in a few paragraphs, then you probably should skip that fund. Uh, if you hear the word futures contract or options, you should probably skip that fund. If you hear things like return on equity, return on assets, market capitalization, um, that's a you know, that, that one actually can go either way. If, if that's all you read, I'm not interested in that one. But if that's part of the equation, I am interested in that one. So, uh, uh, once you've got all the funds to, uh, the, the information together to, to read about it, it's probably going to take you about 30 to 45 minutes per fund. Now, you should feel good about that because I think there are only about 6,000 of them. <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah, and that's that's basically what you're up against. There there are several thousand funds. Yeah, if, if you want to know what it's doing, yes, track record is important. Um, the amount of risk it it took to get there. There are several different measures you can look at. But the other thing that's really important about that is the uh, what are they actually doing with the money? Now I've actually gone over my time on that portion of today's show because I always want to allocate the first part to economics and investing in general. The the next part is also investing in general, but it's the fixed component. Remember I was just saying that you got 40% of the money in fixed income. Those would be things like bonds, CDs, tax-free bonds. If you've got 40% of your money in there, you're going to be making a lot less money than somebody who's got 70 or 80% of their money in stocks. Why are you doing that? Well, because of the risk factor. The older you get, the less time you have to make up for the stock market drops that are going to occur. Okay. So you have to hold a little bit more in some of the safer stuff. It's going to pull down your returns somewhat. And that's why it's so important to have a, a somebody to talk to about this. Though That is not an easy question to answer. And I have these conversations all the time. Um, I'll continue to have them all the time. And it's the most important conversation you can have. And that's, how much risk are you willy, uh, willy, are you really willing to accept? How much fluctuation in that account value 
can you stand? If you can't stand to see your stocks or your portfolio drop by 50% or more, you do not belong in an all stock portfolio. You just don't. And I, and I know there are so many people out there. In fact, you know, back earlier in my career, there were these, there were several indicators you could put them together and they did a pretty decent job of reducing the risk without killing your returns. Those don't, they don't work anymore. They just stopped. I have all kinds of, of ideas why they stopped working. And I'm pretty sure a lot of it's the onslaught of ETFs and the, the popularity of stock funds versus bond funds, but that's another whole show. Actually, that's another 10 shows. Yeah, that's how complicated that can get. So today, you need to keep this, I, I feel like it needs to be kept relatively simple. Look at the amount of fluctuation that you're willing to accept in the account. Multiply that by two. And that's how much you should have in stocks. So if, if I'm willing to be down 30%, mine's 35. Okay. Multiply 35 by two, I can be 70% in stocks. Now, if I'm going to compare my performance to an all-stock portfolio, one that's 100%, and I've only got 70%, I'm going to get beat. I'm going to feel bad. And a big part of being a successful investor is feeling good. You need to keep your mood up. That's going to make you feel bad because you're you're making an apples-to-oranges comparison and you don't realize it. And this is all between your ears. It's This is all psychology. So you want to bump up your returns well, you got to bump up the level of risk that you're willing to take, the, the fluctuation that you're willing to see. You can't have them both. And and this is what I think to, in today's market, when we're looking at choices for fixed income, I mean, ba- basically, you've got some short-term bond funds out there who still, by the way, are going to fluctuate. They just don't fluctuate as much as stocks do. Uh, they're going to have negative or super low returns over the next 10 years, that's that's an opinion, by the way, because the interest rates are so low. If they if they edge up just a little bit, those bond funds are going to come down. Okay. So you've got that you're between a rock and a hard space in fixed income, in bonds. That's why I've been talking for about the uh, fixed index annuities. There's a, a an investment only annuity that, that will give you a guarantee of an income. Uh, that I think is extremely attractive in this interest rate environment. If you'd have shown it to me, you know, 25 years ago, I'd have said, you are crazy. You know, why would somebody want to take a 4% guarantee? And uh, today you're looking at CD rates less than 1%. You're going, hey, 4% is not bad. <laughs> now, there's another one that, that has a slightly higher, that's the fixed index. And, and I, I'm just going to take a couple minutes to talk about the differences between these two. The investment only annuity product is like it says it's for investment only there are no there's no insurance that comes with it most of your traditional annuities variable annuities those are annuities that have mutual funds invest in stock funds i hear the music i got to take a real quick commercial break this is bill bullington right here on 1420 i'll be back after these messages
was before Face down on the floor Wondering how I even And we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you hear something you'd like more information on, feel free to go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com, and uh, just shoot us an email. Or you can call us, 330-664-0700. That number again is 330-664-0700. And uh, that number is also at bullingtoncapital.com. And so I'm going to talk just a little bit more about bonds. Um, right now, you know, the 10-year treasury actually got up to a little bit above 1.5%. So that's a 10-year <laughs> treasury. You have to you have to hold that for 10 years to be guaranteed to get your principal back. Um, there's a lot about that. So when you're thinking about that type of interest rate, and this is one of the reasons that uh, I had been talking about a lot of the annuity products that I've been talking about over the past, I don't know, probably 18 to 24 months. And it's because they've become a lot more attractive. Uh, they change like the wind, by the way, but the, they come on, they become a lot more attractive in an environment where, you know, a 10 year treasury is paying one and a half percent. That means that treasuries that are shorter than that are paying a lot less than that. CD rates. Best CD rates in the country, 1% or less. You know, that's that's pretty tough. That's really tough. So what are the alternatives? Well, you've got something called a fixed indexed annuity. That That's an annuity that's got characteristics of an investment and a fixed account. And those are very popular because they have much higher payouts. Um, when you convert it to an income, the income that the insurance companies are typically willing to guarantee is going to be much higher than a CD. But you are spending principal when you do that. So fixed indexed uh, annuities, you know, you're spending principal. There's a chance, an outside chance, that the principal grows faster than you're taking out. I don't think that's a good chance. I think, you know, when you're getting the guarantees, that's probably the best you're going to do. So just want to make sure that. I'm clear on that. Why are people doing them? Uh, well, because they're going to, they guarantee an income even if you live to 150, you know, assuming that the insurance company that, that, um, sold you the product or created the product is actually still in business. So they're given, they're willing to guarantee for as long as you live and it's a higher guarantee. It doesn't have growth. You know, it's, it's guaranteed it's going to stay at a certain level. So you've got other, um, there's another type of annuity out there now that guarantees an, a minimal income, but has the potential to grow. That's the investment only annuity. So I like, I think they make a lot of sense to use in conjunction with whatever else you're doing, you know, stocks, binds, cash, your good diversified portfolio. I think this is a good thing to bring into the mix should be having conversations about these products as a replacement of uh, the bond portion or at least a portion of the bond portion in your portfolio. And you could, in some of these, you could put a lot more money into them depending on your age, depending on what your needs for income are, all that kind of stuff. You got to have, these are uh, really serious conversations, by the way. You're literally planning out a future path for an income stream, that's that. That's a big deal, you know, because you're going to live by it. 
uh, especially when you get into the fixed index products, the ones that guarantee the higher rates up front, the higher rates are up front. And if, and if that's okay, I, I have it, by the way, uh, and uh, I like it. And for every year that I don't take the income that I could take right now if I wanted to, because I've been in it for 12 months, you, that particular product or type of product, you, they're normally a waiting period before you can turn the income on. But that income that they're willing to guarantee will go up each year for the next 10 years. It'll actually double in the next 10 years uh, if I do nothing. Uh, that's a that's really a good return. Uh, and most people don't do that in their stock accounts. Uh, I, I will have to, I'll be forced to convert it into an income at that point in time. If the, uh, so if you'd like to learn more about this, I, I'm just kind of trying to hit the highlights here. That, that, again, go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. Just say, hey, I, I, I wanted to know about that fixed index. I will send you a link to a website and you can go into the website and you can put your age down and, uh, whatever amount of money that you wanted to try. I just use a hundred thousand bucks so that I can, uh, see what it is percentage wise. And it's just a lot easier that way, but you can take a look at that. And there's another, you know, kind of a backward calculator that says, okay, this is how much income I need 10 years from now. How much would I need today to be able to guarantee that income? And you can do it that way as well. <clears throat> so feel free to go in or feel free to contact me. <clears throat> Again, that's Bill at Bullington Capital. Something, uh, I've got congestion today. Sorry about that. <clears throat> well, hopefully that's, nope, still there. <laughs> oh, well. Go to BullingtonCapital.com, uh, hit me up there. I'll send you links to the page if you wanted to set up a meeting, to, a phone meeting to talk about it, or if you wanted to come in, that that's fine. Um, there's no charge. No pesky salespeople are going to call. It's bad enough you have to listen to me every Saturday morning. Yeah, <laughs> don't need to do that to you. But uh, anyway, those are two really good ideas, I think, especially given the environment that we're in today. Will interest rates go up a lot? I don't know. I mean, you know, I've been thinking about it. And a few years ago, I was saying, no way. You know, they're not going up. And now I'm looking at it going, someone may do that. They, they did it after World War II when the jet, uh, the jet, the debt to GDP ratio was as high as it is today. Okay. We were in, Kind of the same shape fiscally, or at least monetarily, that we were today. We owed a lot of money because we'd financed, you know, World War II with, with war bonds, and those bonds all had to be paid off. So there was a lot of debt, but they started to raise interest rates at some point in time anyway, despite the fact that there was a lot of debt. Now, will that happen soon? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, Powell said, you know, for the foreseeable future, a couple of years ago. So thing, I don't think things have changed enough to here, here's what could cause that to happen. By the way, if you had hyperinflation the way that you did back in the 1970s, yeah, then you might have rising interest rates. And at that point in time, the items that will probably have the best returns are going to be money market accounts, um, which are paying one percent, uh, actually a lot less than 1% right now. But that, at one point in time, uh, money market, they were brand new products back then. I, I remember seeing them advertised at 18%. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> wow. Boy, if we just had a Wayback Machine. Uh, 
That was the uh, that was mind boggling. So I don't think that's really going to happen, and I think it's really important that that we kind of take a look at what's going on now, what kind of messages we're being uh, given. They're, they're keeping an eye on inflation, inflationary. Most of the talk has, has been pretty calming, uh, nothing to get upset about or, or panicked about, and there's nothing really. So that's why I think that these these products where you can get guaranteed incomes, they're going to be a lot higher than the average person, according to Nelbar, has made in the stock market. And they're willing to guarantee that number. So that's a good thing. Uh, there is another product out there that I've been doing some business in that doesn't guarantee quite as high of an income, but it has the chance to go up. That's, that's a big deal because if you're in your sixties, you know, your life expectancy now is, you know, 20 years at least prices will be a lot higher 20 years. They're going to be a lot higher 10 years from now than they are today. So if you don't have something that has a chance to keep up with that, I think you might, you know, you might have a problem down the road. If your income stays the same and prices go up, you need something in there. Now, Social Security is indexed for inflation, so it'll go up over time. And if that makes up a fairly significant chunk of your income, which for a, a ton of retirees it does, then you've got that. That's a big help. And that's a really big help. So if you've, uh, you can probably make it by with the fixed indexed, the higher payout up front. Uh, the, the A plus job would be to have a little bit of both. I think you've got a uh, little bit in the, the product that can move higher. And then you've got the one that's higher, but remains fixed. So, and I know this is uh, if you're in your car, your head's probably spinning right now. So <laughs> just remember, go to Bullington capital website and, you know, ask a question there. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. It's really not as complicated as it seems to be. It is at first, believe me. You know, at first, your head's just spinning. But over time, it does tend to make a lot more sense. And uh, and then I think a lot of people are, are just coming around. And the longer I've talked about it, the more it's come to them. It took a, me a long time to get my arms around it to understand it. Now I'm extremely comfortable with it. So I really like the uh, uh, all the options that we have. I think that whatever happens in the future, you can actually be prepared for it. Uh, being aware of what could happen in the future is kind of a, a big deal. That's a really big deal. You, you know which uh, ETF, by the way, uh, or actually index, has the best track record over the past 40 years? It's actually the mid-cap index. And now that I hear the music, that means I'm going to have to wait until next week to finish that that thought. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning. Go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. If you have a question, have a good weekend, good luck, and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.